0: I'm Glenn Crooks, and this is On Frame. And this is MLS Rivalry Week, which means another Hudson River derby. New York City FC, they'll be hosting the New York Red Bulls at Yankee Stadium on Saturday night. For a preview of that game, I'm going to welcome in two of the radio voices for that day. Roberto Abramowitz, he does the Spanish commentary for New York City. And Matt Harmon, the radio voice of the Red Bulls. The three of us have called every one of the 14 regular season derby matches So we'll have that preview and a little fun coming up. Both clubs had midweek matches, the Red Bulls at DC United in the Atlantic Cup, the long-standing MLS rivalry. Wayne Rooney, straight red in the 24th minute. Daniel Royer with the game winner for the Red Bulls in the 59th. And the Red Bulls winning away from home at Audi Field, 2-1. Meanwhile, in the Bronx, Tati Castellanos scored his fifth goal in the last four matches. And that was it. City defeating Columbus 1-0 before an announced crowd of 19,828 at the stadium. Maxi Morales recording his league-leading 17th assist on the Castellanos goal, his 10th of the season. And despite a dominant first half, City was fortunate to come away with the three points. Coach Dome Toron described it as a tale of two halves.
1: (laughs) But maybe we play one of the, the best First half in this season and one of, of the worst second half in this season.
0: Crew SC had left Jazzy Zardes home and Pedro Santos on the bench. 18 of their 29 goals. Then Santos started the second half. Crew applied more pressure and the second half had a completely different complexion to it, to the dismay of Teron, who simply wanted to play the ball more quickly in the second half. Those were his instructions in the locker room to build on the success of the first half.
1: The surprise was we play in the same style in Atlanta. Long ball. I say, I know it's difficult to play in the left side. I know that because the field is a little bit different, you know, but at least you can play. I accept Three short, one one long. Three short, one long. But not all the time long. Because when you are in trouble, you can play this kind of ball, the diagonal ball, or the side would matter with them. We use many, many, many times in the first half. But in the second half, I don't know. It's not New York City football club. It's another team.
0: Teron had lamented the style of play in that 2-1 loss at Atlanta recently. And you also heard a reference to the playing surface as well. While the pitch looked healthy, observing it from above, the playing surface was poor on Wednesday night, in particular where the sod is laid over the baseball field. That's the left side when building the attack for New York City FC in the second half, which was Toronto was referring to. Goalkeeper Sean Johnson, who recorded his seventh clean sheet of the season, but his first since July 3rd against Seattle, also mentions the impact of the field in his post-match comments.
2: It gives a tale of two different halves. I mean, you can, you can look at the first half and you'll say, uh, you know, man, we played uh, such a good, you know, brand of football. Everybody was, was passing, we were moving, but then again, if you look at it, the pressure was different. You know, they were sitting at the top of the circle. We had time on the ball. Uh, we were able to find passes through. When um, they started pressing man to man, I think we we struggled a bit, obviously. Uh, you know, playing a long ball, uh, not being able to win a second ball. Um, you know, at times it was difficult to play um, on outside on the on the 18 and the six. It was a bit choppy. You know, the obviously the infield was, was difficult as well. So all those things play into it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, when when the, when the half is different, and uh, when a team comes out and plays this differently, we have to have to learn how to adapt quickly. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be important going forward, an important lesson to learn because teams are going to be, uh, it's going to be a tale of two halves going forward. For the rest of the season, teams are going to show us different things in games and we're going to have to uh, have to adjust.
0: The 10-year keeper playing in its 261st MLS match. He and his mates, they can certainly expect the high press again in the Derby match on Saturday. Well, I figure what better way to preview the Hudson River Derby on Saturday New York City FC at Yankee Stadium, home against the New York Red Bulls. Then uh, with uh, three of the radio voices who have been there since the start of this Derby 2015, the expansion season for New York City FC. First, I want to introduce the uh, radio voice for the New York Red Bulls, Matt Harmon. Matt, welcome.
1: Glenn, it's good to be here. I I already feel... Like a hostile environment, it's it's already two versus one with two city guys <laughs> and just
0: one Red Bull guy. Well, you didn't think you didn't think I was going to bring in Ernesto, the uh, the Spanish radio guy for the Red Bulls, and just me and you two. So you know, it is my podcast. So I'm just going to go with it's, it. It's all
1: it's all good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready
0: to go. <laughs> well, the other one is uh, Roberto Abramowitz. He does the uh, Spanish side for New York City FC. Roberto, welcome. How are you?
3: I'm doing fine. I didn't know that your guys are going to double-team me, two guys who do English radio versus one guy who does Spanish radio.
0: Oh, this is excellent. I have the advantage both ways, so this is good.
3: Yeah, it seems this way.
0: It works out well. Well, guys, I mean, this has certainly uh, been, uh, well, beyond interesting, this rivalry. I don't know how we thought it would all start, uh, where it would go. Uh, I think the... um, The initial reaction to this when New York City announced a franchise was like people couldn't wait for it. So, Matt, is that the way you felt uh, over in Red Bull land on the other side of the river? It was uh, highly anticipated?
1: Yeah, I would say highly anticipated for sure. If if I think back to 2015, um, you know, probably the one difference when you're talking about the the Red Bulls is they have the long history with a team like D.C. United, but to have somebody – even closer in proximity where where basically you have, you know, a couple of miles and a river that separates you. I, I, I think it's been, I think it's been great. And I, and I actually like it more so this year, um, playing just twice during the course of the regular season. And I'm sure we would have both loved to have seen each other in the open cup because it would have, would have meant that both teams would have won, but, to play a little bit less during the course of the year, I think it actually makes the games have a little bit big, bigger of a feel.
0: I, I don't disagree with you at all there. I, b- before we move on, though, I, I want to go back to D.C. United. Has that uh, that rivalry, uh, has that worn off a bit because of uh, the newfound uh, New York rivalry?
1: Um, I'm not sure you could say, Glenn, that it's worn off. I think maybe because you've got another close rival. Um, you know, it, it, it's almost it's almost kind of, in a way, added to it, if that makes sense, where, like, okay, you know, this week is a perfect case in point. It's rivalry Wednesday with D.C. United, and then you roll right into a game against New York City. I, I like how that um, – how it kind of plays into a whole week where you've got stuff to talk about. I mean, listen, win, loss, draw on Wednesday night down at Audi Field, you know that the team's going to – the first thing that they're going to talk about coming out of the game is going to be – all right, we've got to turn around, we've got to get ready right away for another rivalry game because we know New York City's certainly going to bring it when we've, when we've got to go to Yankee Stadium. So I do think it kind of all ties together, especially on a week like this one where, where you've got both games in one week.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's intriguing for the Red Bulls. They've got to play back-to-back rivalry games. Roberto, it's not quite the same for New York City. They are playing Wednesday, but I, I don't think – I'd hardly call Columbus Crew SC a, a rivalry game. Can't say that, right?
3: No, 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 not at all. But it, but but it's just as important as the Red Bull game, and, and this is because of the of the new playoffs, right? Because you want to be able to have the home field advantage, and New York City is fighting to be in first place with Atlanta and Philadelphia, and if they're going to play these teams in the playoffs, you would prefer for them to play in Yankee Stadium versus playing them in Mercedes-Benz Stadium or in Talon Energy Field, and especially with Atlanta. So you you don't want to play in front of 70,000 people when you have a chance of playing in front of your home team. Now we understand that last year they wound up losing both, but they have a better chance at home than they do on the road.
0: All right, well, let's look at the – and I I do want to point out to uh, those that are listening that uh, Roberto Abramowitz uh, will be – maybe you could explain, but ESPN came to you and you you said that they're doing a rivalry piece at some point and you're involved in the description of this one. Exactly what is that?
3: No, it's not ESPN. It's uh, MLS. Oh, MLS. So uh, okay. maybe there's some uh, conjunction with, uh, with ESPN. I'm not sure. Maybe it will appear on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know. But uh, after the Columbus Crew game, they're going to unveil this uh, piece that they've put together uh, chronicling the rivalry of both teams from even before the first game in 2015. And so uh, they're using it um, uh, to be able to uh, hype up uh, Heineken Rivalry Week and uh, this match. So uh, they interviewed me. They interviewed a lot of other people as well about uh, how, you know, how the games went along and uh, the beginning of the rivalry and uh, where it stands now, among other things.
0: So what, what was the most interesting thing as you look back, what, what really struck you as you, you, you... You reviewed everything and got ready for this interview.
3: Um, a, a couple of different things. Um, I think that the first thing that struck me was the first game in the rivalry and how loud Red Bull Arena was. And that even on first game, you could see that there was a rivalry built in, that this this game mattered more than other games mattered. And it was very, very exciting. And I think that the other game that uh, brought it out, was the last game last year where it was a 1-1 tie, but New York City had to come back uh, from a one nothing deficit, and they did it first with 10 players when Eloy Amagat got uh, red-carded, and then Ebenezer of 40 got red-carded, and so New York City had to play with 9, I think it was from the 73rd minute on, And the funny part about that is that New York City actually had the better scoring chances in the remaining 20 minutes than the Red Bulls had. So I I think that those two games stand out the most for me. The the atmosphere in both places, Red Bull Arena and then Yankee Stadium, was just absolutely electric.
0: Well, the thing, Matt, uh, in those two games that was very, uh, well, equal and level Bradley Wright Phillips scored all three goals, the 1-1 draw last year and the 2-1 victory for the Red Bulls in the very first game played, May 10, 2015. BWP, he has been the story of this rivalry probably more than any other.
1: I don't think there's any question about it, Glenn. I mean, he he's really, in a way, had New York City's numbers since the rivalry uh, started. hes He's been able to um, score big goals. He's been able to have games where he scored multiple goals. And I think him more so than um, a lot of players when this rivalry first started. I mean, listen, think about where he's from. Think of his his lineage between his brother and his father and where he came from. I mean, you you play a Derby match over in England. It, it, you know, they they stop the world for the, those kind of games. And I think he's always tried to bring that little bit of flair and, and flavor into New York and New York City.
0: Yeah, he's never hid the fact that this is a bigger game than the rest of them. You know, he's always talked about being more juiced up for it, right?
1: Yeah, and 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 I think that that's a great message. It's a great message for his teammates. It's a great message for those who play against him in New York City. Um, I think if you're if you're a fan of either team, and you know that your biggest players are getting charged up for a rivalry type game. I I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. And that's, and and it's definitely, it's, it's worked. It's, it's been a rivalry that, I mean, listen, some would say major league soccer sometimes overhypes these type of games and they create certain rivalry type situations. But I mean, when you're playing miles across from one team to the next, there should be a rivalry and there should be some dislike, even no respect there should be some dislike between the two teams.
0: Well, and BWP scored five goals in the first four games of the rivalry, which were all won by the Red Bulls. They really dominated the early stages of this, winning five of the first six. Uh, but now it's leveled off a little bit. But but before we leave to, uh, BWP, he's had a, a different kind of season here as his career starts maybe winding down. Tell us uh, – what you expect uh, in terms of him in the lineup, out of the lineup on Saturday, and what kind of year it's been for uh, for Bradley Wright Phillips.
1: It's been a frustrating year, uh, and I think he would be the first one to admit it. Um, you know, you, you obviously come into training camp with high expectations. He's been bothered by a pretty significant injury. Um, you know, up until the last game, which was just this past weekend with New England, you know, he was he was basically a... 15 to 20 minute guy off the bench, just trying to get his fitness levels back up. Um, New York did have a little bit of an injury, hit them in the first half in the one, one game with new England. So it was BWP who came on and he got for the first time in a while, he got about 60 minutes plus stoppage time in, in the game. Um, And I think everyone was kind of holding their breath a little bit to see how he felt and from what I was told and listening to him after the game, even talk, he, he he said he felt pretty good coming out of it, which I think is a good sign because for New York, they've been able to kind of keep their head above water, literally above the playoff line for the entire season without, you know, their, their top offensive player going into the year. And if he can kind of find form, catch fire a little bit in this last quarter of the season, head into the playoffs, it's almost like adding a guy, um for a late stretch run that you know in a way you were anticipating having all year but you didn't so hopefully it it goes that way because listen whether you're i would say this whether you're a red bull fan whether you're a new york city fan whether you're any other team in major league soccer the one thing that you can say without question about bradley wright phillips not even talking about his product productivity is he's a class guy he's always been a class guy on the field off the field He gets it, so, you know, it's hard to kind of root against a guy towards the tail end of his career to to not come back and finish strong.
0: Well, we're recording this uh, piece. That's Matt Harmon. He's the radio voice of the New York Red Bulls. Also with me, uh, Roberto Abramowitz, the Spanish voice for New York City FC. Uh, And we are recording this on a Monday, so we're not quite sure how the week will go. But based on what you said, is it possible BWP starts on Saturday? What do you think?
1: I think it's certainly possible. Uh, I mean, listen, you, you, you guys have Columbus on Wednesday. We've got a game down in D.C. Um, I, I would be shocked if he didn't start one of those two games. And if I had to guess, and this is just 100% speculation, so let me say that. If I had to guess, I would say he's going to start the game against New York City only because he played significant minutes the other night. I'm not sure that you're going to want to trot him out for 90 minutes against D.C., you might bring him off the bench, uh, but then I would be surprised if it start on Saturday.
0: Roberto, the other uh, the other big guy in his rivalry, and uh, you know one of the great games, especially if you're a New York City supporter. August 6, thousand seventeen, David Villa three, Bradley Wright Phillips two, the city defeating the Red Bulls three two. But Villa is gone, and the, and the big story uh, around New York City was, well, how are they going to make up for the goals lost uh, from David Villa? So how is how has that worked out?
3: Well, it works out through Eber and Valentin Castellanos, who have really taken the mantle and and have gone with it. And bo- both players have played very well, and now they're playing well together. Uh, we saw what they did against FC Cincinnati with the four goals, two goals apiece and Castellanos assisting on one of the goals uh, forever. They, they play very well together. They have a great understanding on and off the field, and that has translated to really good chemistry, and it's uh,
1: really helped New York City's attack. Guys, you know, I think one of the interesting things when you look at both of these teams, as I talk about Bradley the right Phillips, and then I think it's an easy comparison to just bring David Villa in, is because BWP's had kind of a strange year and Villa's not around anymore, you could make the argument in a lot of ways that both of these teams might be even more balanced and as balanced as they've ever been. I mean, you're talking about the guys for City that now have picked up the scoring load. Same thing on the Red Bull side. You've got Brian White, who's got um, a, a great season going so far. You've got Danny Royer, who's getting close to double digit goals. So in a lot of ways, even though Via, who was that star for New York City for so long, isn't there and BWP, has had an injury-riddled year. I think. I think in a lot of ways, both teams come in way more balanced offensively than they've ever been.
0: Now, how about Brian White? Now, I like Brian White. He's out of a club I coach at PDA, but I, you know, I don't think anyone around MLS knew who this guy was at all, and maybe not even the supporters. But he has come no. in, and you know, he's really gotten it done. Talk, talk about White a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know what, Glenn? I think it's I think it's one of the best stories in all of Major League Soccer this year. And he wouldn't have been a guy that you would have thought coming into the season, but he has been, in a lot of ways, a season saver for New York because you lose BWP, and then you kind of scratching your head thinking, well, who's going to be the next guy? You throw Brian White in, not really knowing what to expect, and he's been unbelievable. I mean, he's close to double digit goals um and he and he really does fit into the way that Red Bull wants to play with the pressing system because he's younger player has the younger legs um and not only that he produces and he finds ways to get those good runs behind center backs when he does have chances he converts I think he's one of the best guys in terms of converted shots in all of major League soccer this year he's right towards the top of that particular stat and if you're talking about well you know you got to make make sure that you take advantage if you're a striker. He's been able to do that. Um, he's To me, again, I'll say it again, I think he's been one of the best stories in all of Major League Soccer this year.
3: His numbers are really impressive. I mean, to what you're going at, 16 starts out of the 18 games that he's played. He's got nine goals, two assists, and as you say, he's very effective. 29 shots to get the nine goals. So uh, he's somebody who's basically come out of nowhere for, for a lot of people. He started... Two games last year, played five, scored a goal, but I don't think anybody expected this sort of production. And when you're looking towards, well, who's going to replace Bradley Ryan Phillips, who was hurt at the beginning of the season? I
1: mean, he's really stepped up.
0: Right, well, he's we- been
1: he's been the guy. I mean, listen, you've you've got a couple other guys. You've got a Tom Barlow who's been thrown in. Um, actually, this past game, Janny Royer played a little bit up top, but w- without question, Roberto, you think of it, it, it's really been Brian White who's who's kind of kept New York' season. Uh, alive in terms of an offensive side
0: uh, now the other uh, fairly new faces I mean not as not as uh, anonymous as maybe Brian White was coming in are, are that are the head coaches in this thing and what's interesting Matt and Roberto uh, Matt you go first on this is well, let's face it Jesse Marsh the former Red Bulls coach Patrick Vieira the former New York City coach maybe by the time uh, they both departed they they had signed a truce but these are two guys that y- you just got the feeling didn't really like each other. Now with the Dome to New York City, Chris Armas uh, for uh, for Red Bulls. Chris left Dome a bottle of uh, uh, Argentinian red wine in his uh, locker stall before the first derby match, the one won by uh, Red Bulls earlier this year, 2-1. And Dome has uh, expressed his uh, his satisfaction and, and his respect for Armas as a coach. And so there's... Uh, there's this mutual admiration going on, which you never got from uh, Jesse Marsh and Patrick Vieira. Am I, uh, am I seeing that clearly?
1: I think you are seeing it clearly. I think I think between uh, Armis and Toronto, I think you do have a good mutual respect. Um, and listen, from a media standpoint, what was better than Jesse and Patrick taking shots at each other before, during, and after a <laughs> derby game? It, it was a lot of fun. And I'm not sure if if you could say that those guys didn't, like, did genuinely dislike each other. I think they each just knew how to play the role of we want to get into the referee's ear a little bit. We want to really tap into this rivalry thing a little bit. Um, we want to have our our part in it and our say in it. Where I think the, the coaches that each team has right now, I think they're both a little bit more reserved in a way. And I think they'd rather just let their players take care of it were the were the other two in Patrick and Jesse I think they generally did enjoy kind of that that part of the game
0: so the other part of the rivalry which I think has taken a great interest July the 12th there was a tweet from the uh, Twitter handle Hudson River Darby HRDF official and uh, it says after two years of work between Viking Army, Empire SC on the Red Bull side, and Third Rail on the New York City side, we are happy to publicly announce the Hudson River Derby Foundation, a yearly competition between Red Bull New York and New York City FC for supporters by supporters. And they expect to have a trophy by the year 2020. So, Roberto, there's... There, this, uh, you know, I, I think the supporters have gone at it a little bit, uh, maybe even in a physical way in the past, but now there seems to be this uh, brotherly love.
3: I'm not going to go crazy about brotherly love, but I will say that it's a great idea to have the Hudson River Trophy. So in, in the Pacific Northwest, we have Cascadia. The Red Bulls and uh, D.C. United have the Atlantic Cup. And so and there's other fire and brimstone I believe between uh, between uh, is it Colorado and uh, FC Dallas and I mean there's all sorts of little rivalries going on and there's no reason for this one not to have it and I'm really happy that the supporters got together and did this this just wasn't done something by the front offices or MLS or anything but this is grown organically from the supporters and uh, considering the way this all started, where there were a few members of uh, New York City FC and they got into it outside of a bar in New Jersey with some of the members of um, of the Red Bulls. And that left a terrible taste in everybody's mouth. And there's been, you know, incidents here and there that this time that they've gotten together and done something really, really positive. And I'm happy to see it. So starting next year, uh, whoever wins the series will take home the Hudson River
0: Trophy. I guess they're still deciding, Matt, what the what it'll look like. Uh, they're actually raising funds. It's it's a nonprofit that they've formed here. But I'm looking at, at their Twitter site. They, they only have 269 followers on this uh, Hudson River Derby site. That's that's got to improve, man.
1: But anyway, not after not after this podcast, Glenn. <laughs> you you are spreading the gospel right now for these guys. Well. I, I,
0: you know, it, it's night. Nice, it, boy, if you can merge and, and have something in common, but yet still be fierce rivals. I mean, that's that's competition. That's sports. That's what we want. We want healthy rivals, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it's all about. It what, It's what makes sports fun when you when you have that little extra that goes along with certain things. So, I mean, listen, if the supporters want to have their say in it, then let them have their say in it. I, I, it's certainly not going to do anything. To hurt it, and it does kind of go along with some of the some of the other rivalry games that take place in Major League Soccer. So why why not New York and New York City?
0: Man, and this this series has had some lopsided results, and any of the lopsided results have been uh, in favor of the Red Bulls. So everybody remembers seven 0 that was uh, back in 2016, but uh, more recently, last year, the first match of this series four uh, nil, that was at uh, Red Bull Arena in May. And then the U.S. Open Cup match, 4 0. So it was these back to back 4 0 results. And then Dome Terrell's first uh, parlay in all this, uh, July 8th. New York City gets the winning Yankee Stadium 1 0. And uh, then a 1 1 draw uh, in August. And then the 2 1 victory for uh, the Red Bulls to, to kick this thing off uh, in July. So I don't know where we, uh, Matt, where do you think the thing stands right now in terms of uh, it, it seems rather level? Like, you can't, no one is clearly better than the other. They're different teams with massively different styles, right?
1: Very different styles, Glenn. Um, Very different styles. Though, I I would say, um, I think, style wise, now you guys would certainly know this better than I would, but I would say, from a style perspective, I would say the way that New York City plays now, as opposed to how they did when when Vieira was the coach is probably a little bit more of the Red Bull, high press, high energy type style than it was back, back when this rivalry first kind of got up and going. Um, but yeah, contrasting styles for sure. You know, I mean, does the field play into that a little bit? Probably because I mean, I know it's your guys home field, but having Yankee stadium is the spot where you play all your home games. Definitely kind of impacts probably the way that you play a little bit. Um but I, I listen. It's always fun when the teams play together. So styles, players, coaches—it it, just—it it all kind of works. I think when when these teams get together.
0: Yeah, well, I, Dome uh, Roberto, he, after the uh, the two-one loss, just he contrasted the styles for that game, saying that the the Red Bulls were, you know, very direct, playing early balls, trying to you know work off the second balls and put a lot of pressure uh, on on New York City, which has always been the case—the high pressure, and uh, and the. New York City may be trying to play a little bit more. How do you see this game going Saturday based on what's happened with these two coaches and the teams?
3: It, it's going to be a, a tough game, a tight game again. I think it's going to be more in line probably with a one nothing win that New York City had I'm talking about stylistically uh rather than the well the 1-1 tie was sort of difficult uh New York City actually played very well for the first six, 45 minutes at Red Bull Arena and they were about to go into halftime with a one nothing lead until Matarrita gave up the ball on the on the left side and uh, they they scored very quickly after that with the foul and then the penalty kick and then in the second half, um, the, the Red Bulls were the better team and got the controversial goal that put them ahead in the game in the 60th minute and went on to win. But uh, I, I thought that the teams played pretty evenly, especially in the first half. If anything, New York City had the better the better of it. We'll see how that goes in uh, in Yankee Stadium on Saturday evening.
0: The referee, the controversial call. Hey, do we have referee assignment for this game yet? Is that Alan Kelly on this one? <laughs> how great would that be I would I, if I were pro I would put them on this game just for the fun of it man but I it's don't not think it's like a You to have fun <laughs> no I guess not and no I, pro
1: pro is not normally defined by fun I'm not sure that that's the first word that people think of
0: all right. Well, I'm a fan of Howard Webb, and uh, what what do you think of VAR, Matt? Uh, as we close this thing, what's your uh, you know? We, I, I think every time we we talk about soccer and MLS and now EPL, with uh, it's been introduced there and already controversies there. What's your take on it, based on all the games you've done and uh, calls you've seen overruled or upheld? Uh,
1: honestly, I love the idea. I still think there's a little left to be desired when it comes to some execution. Um, And I think honestly, that's the easiest way for me to describe it and be somewhat politically correct. I mean, I've, we, we, when I say we, my partner and I, Steve jolly, former Metro star red bull. um, I mean, he's very astute when it comes to certain things because he, he works as a, uh, he does some stuff for the league still as a, as a match evaluator. So I think he's pretty up to date on it. I think he's even had some, some head scratching moments where, you're looking at, it and you're saying, "Oh, that's easy for VR to turn it over," and it winds up not being turned over, or, or vice versa. Um, but I think as it continues to evolve, I think it, like anything else, it'll it'll get better, and it'll make the game better.
0: Roberto, what's your uh, what's your take?
3: Yeah, pretty similar to Matt's. It, 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 I think the idea is very well is it, very good. I, the execution sometimes, as uh, Matt said, leaves you uh, scratching your head on uh, what they're looking at and and what they're thinking and what they're trying to do. But, uh, for, for the most part, I think it's worked and worked well. And as long as you have humans, you will still have the possibility of making mistakes on, on some of the things that we see or interpretations that we don't agree with. But for the most part, I think that it's gotten a lot of calls that were wrong have gotten them right. And I think that that's, you know, obviously what you're trying to do. And um, I like it. I just hope that uh, it gets better and better. And as MLS, hopefully as MLS grows and the teams uh, or the broadcast networks add more cameras uh, to their broadcast, then you'll have a much fairer way of being able to see what's going on.
0: All right. Last thing uh, before we go, because I I, want to hear and and I didn't give you guys a chance to think about this. So you're just going to have to come up with it. Uh, Your favorite broadcast moment in this rivalry. There have been uh, 15 games, 13 in the regular season, two in the U.S. Open Cup. The US Open Cup can no longer be broadcast by any of us because it's an ESPN property. But uh, Matt what you oh, f- what Glenn, you, f- you just
1: open Glenn, you just opened the door to a whole other controversy. Well, we'll that'll be able to do the Open Cup games anymore.
0: Well, we'll do we'll do another on frame on uh on uh, huh. no radio for the US Open Cup. But uh, what's your favorite moment, Matt?
1: Um I I mean I think it's cliché to say the seven nothing game. I actually I, I actually think let alone the, the first game, which was just electric. Um, I, I'm going to take it from a from a broadcast standpoint. For me, doing – even though it wasn't a baseball game, doing a soccer game the first time I was ever in Yankee Stadium, I thought it was awesome. Um, I mean, it's definitely worn on me a little bit because I'm not sure that it's, it's where the game should be. But knowing that that was such a historic and still was such a historic spot um, and having that first away game, I actually – I I think I actually remember that first away game more than I do even some of the, the, the home Red Bull games um, as the rivalry has kind of continued a little bit. That was a, that was a special moment because, you know, listen, not only did did Red Bull have the better of the play in those, in those games early on, I think just saying like, Hey, we're walking in the Yankee stadium and we're going to be able to try and get this rivalry kind of up and going um, to me, that was that. And the, and really the first game ever, when the teams played at Red Bull Arena. Those would be the two highlights for me.
0: Yeah, I remember those well. 48,047 at Yankee Stadium for that first one, Roberto.
1: Yeah, that, that,
3: that was special. The noise that came out of that place was extraordinary, especially when Tommy Mack scores the first goal in the game. Then the Red Bulls came back and scored three more, but we're not going to talk too much about that. Um, my, my favorite moment is... Why? The, why aren't we going to talk about it? Let's talk about <laughs> it. Well, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Your favorite moment, um, Roberto. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it it, it it has to be the, the final uh, the final twenty minutes of the game. That was a one-one tie uh, last year, you know, when New York City playing with nine men. It just felt like a five-on-three power play the other way, if I can use a hockey terminology, and uh, New York City si- sitting back and. You know, and and frustrating the Red Bulls and actually getting some of the better scoring chances in the last 20 minutes. But the 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 amount of excitement that there was to to be able to look at how New York City wound up surviving uh, that that last uh, stretch of the game was probably some of the most extraordinary uh, visuals. And uh, and for my call, it was like probably the best call that I've had. It was fantastic just
0: watching that. Well, good job boys. Uh, I'm going to just, uh, chime in and say three, two New York city over the Red Bulls that, uh, via Bradley Wright Phillips game, uh, via getting the hat trick and uh, BWP scoring the other two goals and, uh, and via leaping into the arms of Patrick Vieira. I'd never seen him so excited. And, uh, that was a moment, uh, a broadcast moment as well, uh, for me. So guys, great, Matt, love talking to you. And, uh, Listen to you uh, when I can on the. Uh, tell us where it is. It's the New York Red Bulls network. But t- tell us exactly how people can listen to you, and tell us about your pregame.
1: So our games are pretty easy to find. You can go to the New York Red Bulls website. You can hear us on uh, on TuneIn Radio. We've got the New York Red Bulls app. You can find all of our radio information on on any of those spots. Uh, so really, three: TuneIn, Red Bulls app, and at NewYorkRedBulls.com.
0: And you got a pregame, what is it, an hour before kickoff?
1: Yeah, we do an hour pregame before every game, whether it's on the road or at home. Uh, that was something that we kind of bumped up this year. It used to be an hour at home and a half hour on the road. We just do an hour straight across the board now, um, which is which is great. You know, we get to we get to have guests on. We get to dig in a little bit more, um, spend some time on the league, which is always fun. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's always an hour prior to kickoff.
0: All right, cool. Roberto, what about you? So
3: we have a half-an-hour pregame show and uh, that um, Ariel Judas and I do, and then uh, we get into the game, and kickoff is normally eight minutes past whatever time they say the game is. So <laughs> we do that.
0: Well, this one uh, on Saturday. And then
3: you can find us. Uh, let me tell you where you can find us and get, get to listen to all this extraordinary broadcast. Um, you can find us very easily on nycfc.com slash live stream and the broadcasts this year are worldwide we're not geo-locked into the united states only so you can find us there we're on tune in we're on iHeartRadio, radio and we're on the espn app at the ten fifty AN a.m espn deportes uh new york
0: brilliant boys thanks so much and uh matt roberto we'll uh, we'll see you at the stadium in the bronx on saturday thanks yeah. again
1: save me a spot behind home plate guys
0: all right, that's the vantage point for all of us. Behind home plate in New York City we will try to even up the season series. A big one in the Bronx on Saturday. Airtime on WNYE 91.5 FM and worldwide on the New York City FC Network, 6.45 p.m. Eastern for the pregame with Domé Tauron. Join me on the call with the former Millwall and Crystal Palace Central defender, Matty Lawrence. This is Glenn Crooks.